It's officially our first beautiful news story of 2021, and we need beautiful news more than ever. Um, it's turned out to be 2020.1, I think. Uh, the rest of us, the rest of the world has gone back into lockdowns in various degrees. Our booze has been taken away again, and we need something to look at that makes us smile and like makes us feel something. And the beautiful news story this week is one about Joshua Rubin, who is a documentary photographer and videographer, and he is definitely going to make us feel some things. Hello, Joshua. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Um, okay. So you, you sound really young and I know I never want to ask anyone their age, but like you sound really young, but you, the, the photos that you take are so deep and like, they, they just, they're so emotive. Um, have you always had this eye or was this something that you just learned? Like, I don't know. I don't know how photography works. So I started taking photos when I was 10 years old. I'm 24 now. And um, I started kind of taking photos of nature, landscapes. I used to sit in the bush outside my house for hours, taking photos of like chameleons and insects and that kind of stuff. And then as I got older, I started kind of exploring South Africa a little bit more. And I find that the people of South Africa are so, it's just so, there's so many different kinds of people, different kinds of religions, different kinds of races. And it's just, it's, there's so much diversity. And I was so interested in it and exploring different places around the country. And um, that's kind of how I got into documentary photography was just, my interest taking me into different places and different areas and meeting different people. And um, I just love listening to someone else's perspective on a place that we are all living in. And um, that's how I got into storytelling and documentary photography. I also remember you from driving with Caroline, right? That went pretty that's viral. That's the one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did that? So, so if if you don't know, driving with Caroline with these short little um, Insta story, Insta videos, where Joshua was teaching Caroline, um, the the lady that worked for his family, um, and I'm assuming kind of like your your surrogate mom, because my finna was mine. Um, how to drive? You were teaching Caroline how to drive, and it was the funniest, coolest most awesomest thing I think any of us had ever seen and obviously that went viral um did that yeah. kind of kick off the the photography for you and like getting noticed more not really to be honest um I think that's it's very separate because people that know my photography generally know my photography and then all my videos and then people that know the Caroline's uh, story know the Caroline story. So it's, I mean, it's recently crossed over when I've done shows, um, like I've done a few shows on SABC and that kind of stuff. And then people see that um, kind of, that I was the Caroline, the driving with Caroline guy. And they also see my photography as well. Um, but it didn't really, at the time, I think people were kind of just, um, yeah, they just, I mean, they just saw it at face value. They saw the driving with Caroline video and uh, they didn't generally look too much deeper than that. Um, but I've, I've done quite a lot of work recently. That's, uh, I mean, I started a, a Facebook page called South African Stories and especially during lockdown, that really blew up. And um, my lockdown work, I think, has got my, uh, the rest of my, my stuff seen a lot more than it, it used to be seen. Okay, now I want to talk about that, but I first want to talk about the the backstory behind this. Like you, sure. your, your photographs and and the way that you see people, there's almost like an empathy um, with with some of the subjects, and we'll get into the subjects because the, these are very difficult subject 
matters and and very scary people that you're taking pictures of but there's <laughs> almost that you you give these people a human quality right you take away the stigma and you take away the fear that we are we're like predisposed to have by the media yeah. and whatever and you you give these people a voice now i i believe that you do this because you have quite you, you, you've struggled in the past with drug addiction um, or drug problems. I have, yes. Can, can you talk to me a little bit about that? Because I also didn't finish school and I, I had quite a big big issue with them. There used to be a, a slimming product that I used to be quite quite very like into at, the, at that stage. <laughs> um, and so I didn't finish school either. And I do feel like that's that struggle, even though it, it, it's a very privileged struggle, has yeah. given me some form of empathy that I don't think I would have had had I not gone through that. So I want to talk to I want to I want to hear about yours. Tell me your story. So, I mean, growing up, I always felt like a bit of an outsider, and I I feel like people have always well, growing up, people saw me in a certain kind of light, and um, I was uh, I mean, I was a naughty kid. I was the kid that never did well in school, and um, I was always just getting myself into trouble. And as I got older, um, my addiction, uh, my drug addiction got really, really bad. And I mean, I've been, I, I, I don't want to talk, I had trouble with uh, police growing up. And I, I mean, I was in rehab and um, I've, I've been through it. And I understand that, I mean, it, it, especially in, the, in this country, I mean, a lot of the people I work with have had or are still um, addicted to drugs and um what I try to do is basically go into these areas and even, even me, I, I sometimes have like a, a pre preconceived idea of what someone's going to be like or what a place is going to be like. And I'm 90% of the time I'm wrong. And I feel like I'm learning that much easier than a lot of people because I knew who I was growing up. And I think people saw me in a different way to what I knew I was like. So when I go into these kind of areas and I meet people that generally people would judge um, because of their environments or who they are or who they think they are, um, I go in with quite an open mind because of the things I, I've been through in my life. Yeah. And um, I think I'm just a lot more accepting um, in that way because of the things I've been through in my life. I... I can see it in your in your images. So, before, like, I just also want to say to you, your images of Ponty in Joburg are my absolute favorite. I don't know why I have this like obsession with that building, and I've always That's had it like my whole life. When I was little, and we used to drive through Hillbrow, I'd look up at it and just I don't know. It, there was there's something magical about the building, and you captured that magic in your pictures. And I've just got to tell you, I am definitely buying one of those prints because. It is just, it awesome. just encapsulates everything that I've always thought that the building is, you know, but there I think also, with that, sorry. that building is so, is so interesting to me because it's like, it's like unfinished in a way. Yeah. And it's in the middle of this big city Joburg. And it's just, I mean, it's just that you, you look at the building from outside and it's got this big Vodacom banner on the top and it's just this massive thing and you walk into it and it's just, there's just like, unfinished concrete at the bottom and it's just it's like this massive derelict building in the middle of a crazy city it's yeah no, it's it's an awesome building yeah it really is and also like hearing the stories i think i think this is where it started for me hearing the stories of my parents who uh were in the entertainment industry and they used to ponty was the place to be right if you'd made it in the industry 
you had an apartment at Ponty and then everyone would go there. And I remember them telling me about these lavish parties with all of the drugs you can imagine and like all of the people and, you know, strippers and snakes and things. And then <laughs> to see it now and to have had friends that have bought apartments there. And it's almost like two worlds in one building. And it's very yeah. cool. I know that it's, it's sad that it's, it's it's been let go a little bit, but it's very cool for me to see those two sides because I think we we all inherently have those two sides that and that derelict and then the 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 fabulousness that we put on Instagram. But moving yeah. from the building, um, which is amazing, you have taken pictures of things that I've also been very invested in for a very long time, and one of those things is the um, the twenty sevens. I want to know about this because I can tell you that since Vice, I think, that went in and did a documentary film on them, I've been obsessed. And I I can't understand it, obviously, from a, a point of privilege, why and how you would end up there. And you now are going in there. And isn't this supposed to be like the worst, quote unquote, gang in the country? So... I've always wanted to, well, for, not always, but for a long time, I've wanted to work in the Cape Flats and um, kind of see what it's what it's all about. Because before I went in there, I had such a, like we were saying, like a preconceived idea of the place. And I was very fearful and very scared. <clears throat> and during lockdown, I got an amazing opportunity to do some work um, with with a, um, an Italian um, journalist. And they were doing a story in the Cape Flats and they invited me to come and do some work with them. And while I was there, it was, it was about the, like the gang truce that went on during, during lockdown. And while I was there, I met quite a few people and um, I just kept going back after, after I did the job with them. And I was working with this, this guy called Errol and he, what he does is he, he was actually also on beautiful news funnily enough at one stage, he, he tries to bring the gangs together, the gang kind of leaders in Manenberg, um, and create some sort of peace. So when some sort of violence breaks out, he's the peacemaker. He brings them together and, and um, talks them basically out of, out of fighting um, even more than they have already. And um, he was a very good friend of mine for since the beginning of lockdown to kind of very recently, he, he actually passed away uh, due to COVID. And um, yeah, I went to his funeral the other day and um, he was just such an amazing guy. And he always made me feel very safe in Manenberg. He was the one that introduced me to everyone and um, showed me around. And, and really, I learned so much about the place from him. And um, the, the thing with the 27s gang is obviously there's a it's a very bad name around it. And um, I mean, the, the people I met in the 27s gangs, it's just it's just they're just people that are in a gang that are in an extremely bad situation. And um, that's, that's how I see it. Yeah. I think it, you know, we, we hide in our suburban houses and behind our electric fences and we read things about the 27s and they're, they're not humans. They're just a number, right? And they're a number of hate and anger and aggression and drugs and all of the things we forget that there's a human who's probably suffering and struggling behind that 100 um you're you're never going to be that person unless you're pushed into being that person um yeah. 
through trauma or struggle or whatever. And you just, the, the images that you take, they make me emotional almost. Um, they're, they're so human. And I wanted to ask you, is there one particular image that haunted you? Um, a story maybe that, that really bugs you still? So I took a, a photo during lockdown and um, I got a, quite a lot of flack for the photo. Um, but it, in, in my opinion, it's the most powerful photo I've ever taken. And um, it was of a man, uh, a, a homeless man walking down Long Street during, during lockdown. And there's no one in sight except for one security guard far in the distance. And um, this guy had no shirts on. He was carrying this massive blanket and his, his pants were like falling down, basically. And um, I mean, this he was just alone, basically, in the middle of the road with this massive stay-at-home sign. Do you remember that stay-at-home sign that was in, in Long Street? Yes, 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 yes. So th- for, for me, that story was, I mean, that, that photo said a thousand things. I mean, um, it just said a lot about the country we're living in, in a very negative way. Yeah. And um, I think it struck quite a lot of bad chords for people. And um, that's why I think the, I, I got quite a lot of flack for that photo. Um, but I also got a lot of amazing feedback saying that this is the side that I think people that are staying at home in their comfortable little bubbles just aren't seeing. Mm-hmm. That photo, I know exactly. I, I saw the photo and I actually read some of the flack in the comments on Facebook, yeah. which one should never do. But um, that photo was so necessary um, because, like you say, we're all in our perfect little bubbles, but there are people that don't have a home to stay in and they don't have somewhere to go. And also when industry closes and things lock down, they don't have food or money or 100% um and that that photo um just actually remembering it now I'm getting goosebumps because that was that photo was heavy it was beautiful I say that in the best possible way but it was heavy and I think it, it was it was meant to be and um the one thing is I like I understand flack and all that kind of stuff and um I'm very open to uh, negative feedback mm-hmm. um but I think the one thing people don't see is the person behind the camera they kind of just see me as a, a photographer looking for a, a story or a photo yeah and um with me I I try to be as kind of helpful in these kind of situations as possible and at the time I thought that photo was very necessary to take um but what they don't see and I think a lot of people uh bash me for this is that I once I've taken the photo I mean at first I did ask permission and all that kind of stuff but I do try to help as much as possible like I try to take the guy to a shelter and that kind of thing um and people don't see that obviously on social media they just see the photo and uh, I think that's where um the whole thing went south I mean, it didn't really go south. We all needed to see that picture and we must stop being snowflakes. And you can come from <laughs> that. I'm legit saying this. Josh's work is amazing. And when you look Thank at you. it and you experience it and you allow the feelings to fl- flow through you and you don't hold on to them, you'll see why you feel that. There's a reason that people are feeling very emotional responses to your pictures. Um, and, and your pictures are almost like a mirror, right? We need to we need to deal with the reasons why we feel these feelings. Um, another one that I wanted to talk to you about is the story of the child soldier. That picture yeah. is, I think for me, it's the biggest, biggest one. That's not actually my picture. Oh, oh. I Are you talking about the, 
<laughs> Are you talking about the kid with the big gun? When the, all the bullets, yeah. So, um, if you look under the video, I said that that's that's actually not my photo. Oh. Um, but um, I took so, so what I did was um, I did this interview with this this guy called Umdalaga, and um, he was a, a child soldier from Burundi, and uh, obviously you know, but because you've watched it, um, and I needed some visuals okay. to kind of show the journey through that story and i found that photo i couldn't find the photographer that was attached to it um but i i did say that the photos underneath i mean in that in that documentary were not were not mine i didn't finish school josh don't judge me i can't <laughs> you must read the <laughs> caption <I'm sorry. laughs> no but you know what um so i i recently last year actually um i did a a spoken word track with one of the local djs here in the country and um, yeah it was part of something that I'd written and I, I'm very, I feel very strongly about child soldiers and it was in there. And so when I saw the picture, it just, it kind of hit me, it hit me quite hard. Um, no, it's an amazing photo. It's an amazing photo. But your photos are as amazing, Josh, Joshua, from like, from even the, the glamour ones to the penguins to, to Cape Town, to all of it, like you just have the most incredible eye and I can see how, you're using your gift to make us think and make us feel. Thank you. And I think that's where my, my interviews come, come through because I, I don't know if you've seen, seen much of my interviews, but um, what I was doing is I was always taking photos of people and I'm not much of a writer. Um, I, I, I find it much harder to, to write down someone's story than let them tell it themselves. So yeah. that's exactly what I did. I started doing interviews with the people I was taking photos of so that they could tell their stories themselves. And um, that's some of my favorite work. Yeah, for sure. Um, the, the, the photo definitely draws you in, but then the story keeps you there. And 100%. it leaves you with something. And I think, I think the message is that we are all human and we're all interconnected. Um, and we need each other, whether you're a 27 gang member, whether you're a child soldier, whether you're someone who's, who's got no home, we're all the same. 100%. That's, I mean, that's exactly why I do what I do is uh, you were saying something about a mirror earlier and, um, so many people see these things in South Africa, when you drive past a gang member, you drive past a homeless person, but I feel like until it's almost in front of your face, mm. um, you don't really process it the same way. It's, I think people in, in South Africa have become very numb to the things that, um, the kind of work that I do. So I try to tell it in a different way where people can see that the person on the other side of that camera um, is, is just another person that's in a different situation to them. Mm. Joshua, do you um, ever feel triggered by any of the subject matter? So I definitely do. Um, I mean, obviously having a, an addiction past, um, I've actually been sober for, for just over two years. The other day I was, I was two years sober. Oh, congratulations. And, uh, <laughs> Happy birthday. Thank you. It's, it's, we call it an anniversary. <laughs> Happy anniversary birthday. Thank I don't know what so, that is. Sorry. <laughs> so um, I've definitely got stronger. But um, it's, I mean, it's never easy photographing people that are, are using or um, just, yeah, just being around that, in that kind of environment. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's, which sounds quite bad, but it's quite beneficial because I see what, 
what drugs do to people quite often. And I feel like that helps me on my ro- uh, road in recovery quite a lot as well. It's, it's a reminder of where I, I could be and where I am now. And um, I just want to keep going on that path of, um, of recovery. I'm, I'm so glad that I got to speak to you. Um, your beautiful news story is definitely one that we need to take with us into 2021. I think we all need to be kinder and more understanding and more open to connecting with, with everyone. Um, 100%. Thanks, Joshua. Thank you so much for your time. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me.